Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. We are so excited to have with us today Catherine Hanks. She lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and she works as an artist. She is also a certified yoga teacher and an Enneagram 4. The Enneagram 4 is sometimes even called the artist because they are very creative types. Catherine's body of work right now is ceramic work that is focusing on her identity as a mother, and so she is celebrating the female body and celebrating even the divine feminine in her work. And I would really encourage you to look at her website, katherinehanks.com. And I also want to highlight that she has a piece in the Smithsonian. Um, It's a piece of photography called Lookout Mountain, Tennessee. And it's in the Smithsonian's Natural Museum of American History. So that's quite a big deal as well. But she has so much wisdom that she blesses us with in this interview. And there also will be two subsequent interviews um, that are going to be amazing as well. This particular interview is going to focus on Catherine and her being an Enneagram 4 and how that's been transformational in her life. But also we're going to look at the Enneagram 1 and 2 and how they can be the truest version of themselves because that's what Catherine wanted to talk with us about is authenticity. And 4s are often uh, very authentic and it just is deeply important to them to move towards being the most authentic version of themselves. And they help us to do that as well. One little disclaimer, my office is in downtown. And so there will be some city noise. There's some construction happening right out my window. So that's just part of the ambiance for this podcast today. But we're glad to have you here. All right, we have Katherine Hanks with us today, so welcome Thank to the you. Enneagram Plus Yoga podcast, and I think that you're a natural person for us to invite because you are a yoga teacher, and you're also a student of the Enneagram, yes. and so I know you're a certified yoga teacher, so how did you find yoga, mm-hmm. and what have you learned about yourself through it? Yes. Um... Let's see. So my mom introduced me to yoga when I was in college, and I practiced with some friends in college intermittently um, for probably about seven or eight years until I really got into a more, just a deeper practice. Mm -hmm. My husband and I, we walked the Camino de Santiago in Spain. Wow. We did that in 2017, and together we decided to start each day with a small practice, 15 minutes or so. And so we would get up with the sun, before the sun, start our practice to really prime our bodies for a full day of walking. And it really got both of us together into this sweet kind of practice of ritual and intention setting, getting into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And doing so together was really special, really sweet. So that was the beginning of my practice becoming something that I came to, you know, several times a week, sometimes daily. 
And when we returned home, my practice was very physical in nature. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, how can I become more strong and more flexible? And it wasn't until I became pregnant with my son, I have two kids, mm -hmm. that I, re my practice had to change, you know, mm -hmm. and I fought it so hard. Pregnancy was such, I'll talk about this a lot today, but pregnancy, birth, motherhood has become such a transformative, uh, you know, thing for me. Um, mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways that started in my body, you know, mm -hmm. my, I, I'm a very, I'm for so long, I've been someone that, um, has really pushed, pushed myself mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I strive to be better, do better. And in pregnancy, one of the biggest lessons that I learned was how to soften and mm -hmm. how to begin to give myself more grace and how to allow myself to open up, you know, and I, I use these terms like physically I needed to do those things. Mm -hmm. I had to soften to be able to, you know, have the space for this growing child. I had to open up to be able to birth this child. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, on the flip side, it's also for me, it was, um, that's all really symbolic for what I needed in my own life. You know, I needed to learn this softening. So yoga, um, really folded into that so nicely because I was practicing yoga really probably every day during my pregnancy. And so my yoga practice changed so so much. It changed from this really physical practice to one where I was able to turn inward and to begin to um, just take note of the internal landscape my emotions, you know, what was coming up, what are my, what are the thoughts that are coming up in my head, um, and to, you know, I, you know, I can live up in my head so much, so it, I was able to start to tap into my body at a time that, mm -hmm. that I needed that so much. Mm -hmm. um, so through all of that, my yoga practice deepened, and I wanted to learn more, so I went I, I did my yoga teacher trainings actually uh, the whole year of 2020. So it started February of 2020. I went through yoga teacher training through the beginning of the pandemic, the first nine months of the pandemic. And it was, I did so not, my intention was not to teach, uh, but more just to deepen my practice, to learn more. And of course, by the end of it, I started teaching and yeah. I I just loved it. I, you know, wanted to, I used teaching really in some ways um, as a way to kind of navigate my own life. It's like I'm mm -hmm. going to teach what, what I'm experiencing right, right now. What am I learning? What am I, what am I exploring? And I only taught for about five months while I was actually pregnant with my second and since then have taken some time because my practice has just needed to be one to fill me up. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so. as a mom, you give so much, mm -hmm. so inviting yourself to receive. Yes. But it sounds like for you, yoga has been about finding that balance between effort and ease. You started out mm -hmm. as being more prone towards the effort, and you've learned 
to find the ease through pregnancy and, yeah. and being a mom, but also the mindfulness of paying attention to your feelings mm-hmm. and your thoughts and your body. And um, yeah, that sounds sounds really important. And then walking uh, the Camino de Santiago, I'm mm-hmm. not pronouncing it right, but I've just heard that's such a spiritual it journey yeah. and it's about 500 miles. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that that also yeah. is a journey just like yoga yes. um, of exploration and growth. And so is the Enneagram. Absolutely. So, yeah. I know. And speaking of the Enneagram, so Catherine, mm-hmm. I know you Enneagram style yes. four. Yes. So could you talk a little bit about how you discovered the Enneagram and what have you learned about yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. I discovered the Enneagram around 2015. My oh. best childhood friend is... She loves it. She knew I would love it. And it was an interesting experience trying to figure out what number I was. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can laugh at myself a little. I I think fours are, tend to find themselves to be so unique. And Mm -hmm. it was like, I just couldn't find where I fit in there. Like I I felt myself, I saw myself in all the numbers Mm -hmm. in some ways. And I kind of tried on each number. I read a lot. And every test told me I was a four. And every <laughs> did you like, find I, it? Did you find the four? So, yeah. And, and it, <laughs> I think what really got me is that I know a lot of fours. Mm-hmm. And I didn't express the way those fours express themselves in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Through childhood, I think I had learned to that stoicism mm-hmm. was a quality that I embodied, and I was praised for being stoic, for mm-hmm. not expressing my emotions. It basically. could be a counter for. Oh yeah, 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 yeah girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're a different. You're even a different four. <laughs> yeah. you know? You're like four squared. Because I think <laughs> I think it's the self preservation yep. that's right. the counter for, yep. and they internalize their feelings mm. they don't necessarily externalize yeah. them so there are feelings okay but they're on well, the inside then so you I, feel like I a black sheep that. among your own okay. black sheep community <laughs> so that that feels true mm-hmm. is that i didn't outwardly express my emotions mm-hmm. and i think that's really why it took me so long to land on four because everything else really lines up i'm very creative i'm very Mm -hmm. artistic i've identified as an artist since i was two or three yeah and so there was a lot about fours that you know part of me was like i want to be that because i feel i see myself in that but the emotional part of of me um you know i i didn't i don't know It, it took me I think actually yoga and pregnancy and the Enneagram taught me to really embrace those Mm -hmm. inner emotions, but not just embrace them, to actually acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. I think I I felt so disconnected from my emotions, from my, you know, internal world in some ways. Um, No, not my internal world, maybe more my body. So I wasn't connecting with the emotions through my body. And so all of those things, Enneagram yoga, pregnancy, birth, all of that has um, been this embodiment practice for me to connect back to my body, which in doing so has allowed me to reclaim those disconnected aspects of myself that are, you know, 
very emotional, sensitive mm -hmm. feeling type. Um, soft, that softer side that we've talked about. Yeah. So you know the Enneagram would say that our, our way that we um, survived certain traumas in our childhood um, you know, would push us towards our number, our true mm. style. So being stoic mm. as a child, do you still find yourself working on being stoic or not being stoic? I'm just very curious. Yeah. I've grown a lot mm -hmm. and I've worked hard on that. Mm -hmm. And I think that I didn't have a choice. I, I've already kind of hit on this a little bit where through pregnancy, I didn't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. Like I had to change. Mm -hmm. I had to soften. I had mm -hmm. to open up. There was, there was not a choice, mm -hmm. you know, it was too hard to live mm -hmm. like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I wasn't allowing <clears throat> life to unfold as it needed to. I mm -hmm. wasn't allowing the people around me to be who they were. I mm -hmm. wasn't allowing my, you know, body to do what it needed to do to, you know, safely you know be with a child yeah and so I'm sure there are times that I that I revert back to that in, in more unhealthy stressful times I do feel like I've really reclaimed that sensitive those sensitive parts of me I, I love that I'm emotional. I love that I'm sensitive. I feel things. I cry again. That's, you know, you're I, a superpower. I, you yeah, feel all the feels. I really think so. And I, I laugh about this, but I also think it's so sweet. Through my first pregnancy, I think I cried more in those nine months than I did my whole life, mm -hmm. and it was really healing for me. It was like mm -hmm. my body was finally able to express things that had been trapped, stuck, re stuck, repressed. Mm -hmm. And there's really no going back after you feel how sweet and how freeing, you know, liberating. Allowing your body to express actually feels. That is so interesting you said about tears, and I know we're going to move on to the next question. Yeah, but no, I just good. finished uh, some Enneagram training, and at the very end, the teacher asked every number to sort of uh, offer up words of wisdom or a blessing as their number. And a four said, there's significance in your tears. Mm. They do matter. And don't ever forget that. Yes. And just for you to say that, I mean, that's... That's true. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah. force saying that. So it yeah. makes me emotional, misty-eyed. But yeah. yeah, it's, you know, they're not just, you know, moisture on your face. Yeah. yeah, I think it was one of the first gifts that my son gave to me, you know, in mm -hmm. utero. Was softening me, yeah. you know. Allowing... I, I cried a lot yeah. and it felt so good. I finally realized it. It took a while <laughs> for me to realize like, oh wait, this actually feels good. Yeah. Why am I stopping this? Mm -hmm. And so I gave myself permission to yeah. feel and cry. And, mm. and in doing so, it's opened me up to more joy, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, Thank you for sharing that. To mirror what you just said, and I don't remember the quote verbatim, but Washington Irving said something along the lines of there is a sacredness in tears. They're not a mark of weakness, but of power. Yes. And I think that that's so true. We're going to take a short break and hear this word from our sponsor. 
Catherine, here's my question. So like many Enneagram 4s, you are artistic and I know you have gifts in ceramic and photography. And for our listeners, I know you're not able to see us, but if you could see mm -hmm. Catherine, she looks like an artist who just like left her studio to talk to <laughs> uh -huh. us and go and ride back. Like so eclectic and so easy, yet so different and unique. And I was looking, even your uh, engagement ring is different. <laughs> oh, thank you. Like I was scoping all the things. The hair is so easy, but I know for women it would take like five days to make it look so effortless. And like the shirt and the ring. Anyway, so that she likes her vibe. I love the vibe. Like we're like like New York. I just stepped out of the studio. I'm here with y'all for an hour and a half, and then I'm going right back. Anyway, so I know your website says you're working on a new body of work inspired by the identity as a mother, your intimate connection to land and the body, and your experience navigating that secret, sacred mystery. So can you tell us a little bit about this project and what has um, sort of drawn you to it, compelled you to do it in that way? Yes. Yes, I love talking about this. And as an artist, I'm always working on how to articulate my art because I do, I express myself best in creating something with my hands that has a deeper meaning. And so putting words to that sometimes can be really tricky. And so I've, I've worked hard on, on the, what I added onto my website, my artist statements and whatnot. And I wouldn't say that I've felt compelled to do this work. Mm -hmm. This work feels like it sucked me in. Okay. Like I have not quite had a choice it is, it, I, am, I am making it because it is a very true expression of me. And I've said that I've been an artist, I've identified as an artist my whole life, and this is the most true artistic expression. And it's coincided with becoming a mother, with pregnancy and birthing my children and doing so alongside my partner. And that too is my most true expression. So I'm able then to bring this art, my ceramic sculptures uh, entitled Bodies, into all that I am, all that I do. And so it's a very authentic, very genuine expression of me. And I think touches on a lot of universal themes as far as um, you know, divine mystery, embodiment practices. Um, I, it, during pregnancy and, and birth, I experienced, and, and since then too, nurturing my children, I have experienced my own body in the most powerful of ways. You know, this primal act of giving birth, and when after one experiences their body in that way it's it's just really opened me up to a new understanding of the divine of sacred mystery of um sacred feminine i i've 
a lot of this artwork is exploring that, is exploring the divine feminine. Um, so a lot of my art give, gives reference to the divine feminine. And this work that I'm working on now, entitled Bodies, mm -hmm. it explores the resurgence of sacred feminine through the lens of embodiment and matrescence. And matrescence is a newer word. I don't even know that it's in the dictionary yet, but it's important. It's the social, emotional, and hormonal transition into motherhood. So this- Can you repeat that Yes, again? it is the social, emotional, and hormonal mm -hmm. transition into motherhood. Okay. So, you know, we have a word for adolescence. Mm -hmm. We don't have a word for the transition into motherhood, even though the changes in our brain when after we give birth, when we begin caring for a child, is greater than in adolescence. You know? Wow, I didn't know it's, that. It's greater. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so this body of work, Bodies, mm -hmm. is my personal study of reclaiming the sacred feminine and energies within my own self. Mm -hmm. So the wildness, the playfulness, mm -hmm. softness being grounded but with very firm boundaries and the trusting of my own intuition. I love that. Mm -hmm. But we will put everything on our website, but can mm -hmm. you tell our listeners what your website is? Yes. And if there's a way, do you show your art? Do you, you know, I know it's very uh, personal you know way you know to show art or not so do you show your mm -hmm. art or do you yeah. you know I am not. in this season that I feel so fortunate to be able to have where I am giving myself time to mm -hmm. create yeah and I'm showing my work online I have my website okay. is katherinehanks.com okay Catherine with a k and so I'm active on social media. I share a lot about my process. I share a lot about these, what we're talking about, some of these musings and um, and what it is that that sucks me in, you know, that what I'm inspired by. So I share a lot there. I have all of this for sale on my website. And right now, as I build this body of work, you know, it's not a completed it's not a completed uh, series yet, mm -hmm. but I have about three or four series within this body of work that I'm, that I'm working on in real time. And so as I'm doing that, I'm giving myself the time to figure out exactly where I want this art. Mm -hmm. It might be in a typical gallery space, you know, that I, I'm, I'm seeking art, artist representation. I, I don't quite know exactly. I'm, I'm just open and remaining curious. You know, part of me wants my art in birthing centers and in hospitals where, you know, people are giving birth. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm very open. Um, right now, they're in my studio. Some of them are in Atlanta getting mounted. So they're, they are, for the most part, in my own studio not being shown anywhere. Okay. But um, I am sharing a lot about them, okay. including images and videos of the process um, on social media. How cool would it be to have those pieces of art in birthing centers? Because we're all three mothers here. 
Um, and I don't know what was your birth experience. Mine was at the hospital. Speaking of sterile, mm -hmm. I mean, four walls, mm -hmm. a freaking hospital bed. And I know there's so many women in the world who would, you know, give their limbs right. for that. Right. But, but nothing inspiring mm -hmm. of yeah. I am bringing life into this world. And I know everybody can have different birthing experience yeah. and work at home and so on and so forth. But for me, that would have been super awesome yeah yeah to, to that's have nice to hear like that, i don't you know yeah and i mean and it's been decades mm -hmm. for me so mm -hmm. that's i think is beautiful yeah seeing your work on your website um and just hearing you talk right now what what just came up for me is um this memory of when i was breastfeeding my daughter one day i asked my husband to take a picture because I, I wanted to have a picture yes. of that moment because it's so intimate and so special. And he kind of looked at me like, huh? And it's something I never would have imagined doing before becoming a mom. But there is, like you said, it's very empowering. It helps you to like realize just how sacred the human body is and what it can do and birthing is the same way. And I still have that picture and I'm so glad that I do. But looking at your artwork, I feel like it helps women to feel like empowered mm -hmm. to to do to be in the body to see the beauty in the body to not have shame about mm -hmm. the body that it's beautiful and um, I just think that you know more things like this through art are gonna help women to feel be better about yeah. their bodies yeah. um, to live in them and I mean we we've gotten so disconnected from our mm -hmm. body through social media through COVID through you know just being in our homes and all the things and so to find ways to kind of move in our bodies live in our bodies celebrate our bodies mm -hmm. I feel like your art does that Thank so you. I want to affirm that I feel emotional oh, hearing yeah. this because it um that is an intention of mine and it's also um I felt very vulnerable putting this work out there for about three years I didn't share it with anyone I was it you know my studio was like a womb it was mm -hmm. you know um <laughs> it it was my safe place where I could explore these thank you all <laughs> I could explore oh, these concepts in my in my own body in my own life um mm -hmm. because we we do live in a culture where um, motherhood, parenthood is not visible, mm -hmm. nursing is not visible, mm -hmm. birthing is not visible, and yet it's the most natural thing in mm -hmm. the world, and mm -hmm. it's the most powerful thing I've ever experienced. And how do we bridge that then? You know, how, how do, I, I was really asking these big questions of how do I, how do I navigate life, just daily life, when I'm experiencing this huge transformational shift mm -hmm. through motherhood and through truly loving my body, loving my body, because yeah. it is, how can you not, after it's, you know, created these two beautiful children mm -hmm. and, and nourished them and fed them and loved them and, you know, um, and so hearing you say that you experience this, you, you feel this in, mm -hmm. in my art, just 
it's getting to the right people. It's mm-hmm. sending the, the message, the intended message mm-hmm. um, of empowerment, of, of reclaiming those divine feminine, those sacred mm-hmm. feminine aspects of ourselves um, that our culture has devalued. Mm-hmm. And it, in my experience and in the way I see the world, it's like if, if we can find that balance, you know, bring, you know, we, we're, we're living in a culture that, that so values the masculine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not inherently a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's when it's so out of balance, as as it's yeah. when mm-hmm. it's so out of balance, it's starting to um, show itself in um, really unhealthy ways, yeah. you know, control and um, oppression, oppression, you know? power, power, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what we, what I think the medicine for that is this resurgence of the divine feminine and celebrating and celebrating it, you know, Mm -hmm. not just it, just, not just allowing it, celebrating it. And I think it takes, you know, all people, you know, no matter gender or sex to begin to reclaim those aspects of, of themselves. And so, um, yeah, that's what my art is exploring. And I think, you know, we've kind of gotten to the heart of it, which is really mm-hmm. nice to have the opportunity to talk about that, that, um, you know, some of my spiritual practices are doing just this. It's, it's reclaiming what I've, what I've lost either mm-hmm. through, you know, the culture that we live in, you know, hiding things away like, Oh, this isn't, you know, being this way isn't um, acceptable. It's not lovable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding, you know, a more authentic version of myself, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well let's look at um, the, this authentic truth self piece that is our theme for today. And it's the theme that you picked for today. Uh, this is one definition of the true self um, from the Diamond Heart book. Uh, when you are being your true self, you are not looking for pleasure. You are not avoiding pain. You are not trying to get approval or trying to get someone to admire you. You are not out to criticize someone else or defeat someone else. And you are not out to gain fame or power. And I think of so many different Enneagram types with what I just read. You are naturally and spontaneously living as a genuine human being who has respect and consideration for other human beings. You are not trying to love someone. You are just loving without even thinking about it. So this is one of many definitions of the true self. So how would you define living as your truest, most authentic self? Yeah, I love this quote. It values the just simply being, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a peacefulness with that Mm -hmm. when, you know, in much of how we live, it's it's doing, doing, striving, mm-hmm. and there's tension there. But this, it's you know, you're not you're not trying to do these things. You're just being who you are. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've been so moved by as a mom is how these babies come into the world so unselfconscious, mm-hmm. you know, so truly themselves, expressing themselves, ex- themselves expressing their needs but also just loving themselves, you know, they're, 
they are unashamed. They're pre-verbal, and so they, they don't have words to beat up on themselves, right? And so over time, we start to lock things away because we hear from other people, oh, that's not lovable, that's unworthy of love, that's mm-hmm. not good enough, hide that away, put it away, you know? And, and I've found that, you know, through my teens, 20s, I've really built up a lot of shadows. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think um, building up those shadows, we, we become disconnected from source we become disconnected from ourselves we become disconnected from other people Mm -hmm. and so there's being our true selves means integrating those shadows integrating those parts of ourselves that we deemed unworthy at some point in our lives and um, in some ways it means just getting back to that that essence you know who we were as we when we were born loving ourselves and Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to be loved and allowing ourselves to be taken care of, knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are lovable, um, knowing that we are good enough as we are right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we act from that place, I I really think that we do the world a, a service because we create more space for other people to love themselves in that way. Um, to love other people in that way. It just, it creates more spaciousness. I love that. I love that return to essence Mm -hmm. because the Enneagram is inviting us to return to essence. It's saying, you know, we're using all these different ways to try to prove ourselves. You know, Kat is a one, and so sometimes the ones try to prove themselves through being perfect or Mm -hmm. right. And I'm a two, and sometimes I try to prove myself through helping or giving, and you are a four, and sometimes you try to prove yourself through being unique or different, Mm -hmm. and we have all these ways that we're trying to prove ourselves, but when we take off our mask, we let go of the proving, and we move towards the being, Mm -hmm. and we move towards the loving, like this quote is inviting us to, and that that's the true self and that is that return to essence to that little Mm -hmm. child who just loves you know yeah and what a peaceful way to be yeah you know just knowing you are okay yeah yeah I love that I love Mm -hmm. that and you know um we've had a guest and she um when we talked to her she started therapy and she said you know I feel like people who start therapy always say well things I've learned in therapy and I just finished some training with Enneagram and I keep thinking like well here's what I've learned in the training mm-hmm. but we were talking about exactly that the essence and then we come in into the world in our true perfection mm-hmm. wholeness mm, authenticity yeah. Knowing the breath, mm. knowing, you know, what we are, who we are without having to, you know, fabricate anything on top of that. Yet, our personalities, Enneagram would say, if, if your authentic self is sitting in a cave by a fire, the shadow that's on the wall of the cave is what we're trying to use to make the world love us or prove whatever we need to prove but if you let go of the shadow what is actually is Mm. sitting by the fire is the essence so but to shift the perspective from the shadow which we are 
constantly showcasing to the world and ourselves, mm -hmm. frankly. And then, okay, well, shadow is that, but what is sitting yes. by the fire? And yeah. that's, you know, coming back home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and you're absolutely right. The babies are, like, come back to mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's noble work. It's hard work. Hard work. It can mm -hmm. be very painful work. And yet, in the you know bit of time that I've been working on that, mm -hmm. it it feels so liberating. Yeah. I I feel more peaceful when I find myself living in a more authentic way. Because you're coming back home. I'm coming back home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think so beautiful the parallels between the enneagram and yoga. Mm -hmm. They both are taking us. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, so today we're going to, as we always do, oftentimes go through each and every number, and um, I take odds, as I always do. Christy will take evens, <laughs> <laughs> and we will talk about each number and how can each number live with their truest self. So um, we'll start at the top today with the Enneagram 1, and I'm type, type 1. So 1s can embrace their imperfection and their anger, which tends to be the shadow on the wall for us, yes. and let go of such high expectations, unreachable oftentimes for ourselves and others. And the pathways of being the most authentic and true self for one, we believe would be through that letting go of anger finding forgiveness not holding grudge um or resentment and then embracing the messiness and mistakes of the world mm -hmm. as part of the beauty of the world mm -hmm. um hard work mm -hmm. painful yeah. still working on it um so can you talk a little bit about if you have had to embrace imperfection mm -hmm. and to me like motherhood is the sure freaking mm. highway to the mm. to the messy imperfection <laughs> land. You know, for me, that was that's what was motherhood to mm. me. You were yeah. talking about softening. For me, you can't keep your shit perfect. Yes, that's right. In mother, you just can't. Mm -hmm. You may want to. You may try. Yeah. But you will fail. Yeah. That was very humbling experience for me. What kind of. Um, Examples or experience or uh, reflections would you have mm -hmm. on letting go of imperfection and not being angry about it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have claimed the term recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. I have owned the term for a long time, like I'm a perfectionist, not really recognizing what lies underneath that. You know, there's a lot of shame that lies underneath perfectionism. And... <laughs> I have found, you, you talked about, it, you know, exploring perfectionism through motherhood or letting go of perfectionism yeah. through motherhood because you really don't have another choice. You have to embrace the messy, right? I have found that I want to, and my therapist before I gave birth warned me. She's like, just be aware. You might feel like you need to be a perfect mother. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. You know, I want to discipline perfectly. I want to love my children perfectly. I want to, and there are these insanely unreachable, unattainable goals, you know, on social media, let's say. There are all of these parenting platforms that talk about, say this, don't say this. Instead of this, do this. 
And it is, I have found that it is paralyzing. Prescription parenting. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's absolutely paralyzing. And I've really been wrestling with this, especially recently as my son is three and a half and pushing boundaries. And, um, you know, I so want to let him be who he is authentically, not squash him. So how do you not squash a kid, but also, you know, let them express themselves, but also, you know, to have good boundaries, you know, teach Mm -hmm. them, me, set good boundaries so that they recognize, okay, this is appropriate, this is not appropriate, this is safe, this is not safe. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's, it is a messy thing. Mm -hmm. There is no perfect way to do it. And I think as I, as I mother and, you know, our kids are a reflection of us. They are our mirrors. They are our awakeners. That's a term that I really love. My kids, my marriage too, an awakener. My mm-hmm. partner is an awakener for me. And um, there, there's no such thing as perfect parenting. There's no such thing as, mm-hmm. you know, do relationships are messy. Mm-hmm. And I think owning it for me, owning that um, and allowing, giving myself permission to let things get messy, let relationships get messy, mm-hmm. you know, let my partnership with Rob get messy. Mm-hmm. Um, is has been really sweet um because once it's you know you kind of let it let it get out there then what you know nothing bad happens right and and i think i i'm realizing that i'm learning this in real time and also learning this lesson over and over again you know just kind of different layers of this lesson so what I've found is that letting go of perfectionism, um, a lifelong journey, is allowing me to access more playfulness, mm-hmm. uh, more silliness, mm-hmm. more open-heartedness, and more like a deeper connection with the people that I care about, yeah. and a greater love for myself and for the world around me. Mm-hmm. I love your term awakener. Don't you I like know, that? Right? Isn't yeah, it good? I haven't yeah. heard that before, but I do think that true self is waking up to life. Like being your true self is like, yes. and who are the people that wake us up to life? And, you know, maybe if we have a relationship with the divine, that's waking us up to life, and creation is waking us up to life. And practices like yoga or mindfulness or meditation, like what are our awakeners? I think that's a really that that can lead to the true self. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime there's something that's waking us up to the miracle of life. Yes. Yeah. So um, so twos. We're gonna look at twos now, and how they can move towards their true self. Um, so for me as a two, I have to be questioned like question whether my flattery is authentic um, because sometimes uh, we're in the attention-seeking triad, the twos, the threes, and the fours, and so we're seeking to fill our love quota and Mm -hmm. feel loved by others, and so sometimes we can use flattery um, because we want flattery back, Mm -hmm. right, because we need affirmation back. So I have to be careful, am I speaking from a place of authenticity? with my flattery, um, and that can help me to move towards my truer self when I'm able to to go to my thinking self. That's Mm -hmm. a place that the two needs to go, is to move away from the feelings 
to their thoughts mm-hmm. and go, huh, is this, is this true? Mm-hmm. Is, is there truth in this? Or is this about a need inside mm-hmm. of me and a hunger for love? And am I not getting enough love in the right places? Um, I must attend to my needs, learn to set boundaries. And I need to be like a four mm-hmm. and make a lot of time for introspection. Mm-hmm. Introspection about why am I here on this earth? What are my feelings? Mm-hmm. You know, just sitting down to write and to journal. That moves me towards my true self. I would say also silence is really helpful. Like, um, you, you know, as twos, we're always helping. Mm-hmm. And with a one wing, I'm, I'm checking a lot off my things to do list but when I can go to a yin class and get quiet I move towards that truer Mm, self so that would be what helps me as a two but my question for you is the question what do I need is an important question for twos but for all people on the journey of becoming their true self so when you ask yourself the question what do I need uh, what comes up for you Well, a lot of what you just said feels Mm -hmm. like what comes up for me. So even as a four who, you know, I am naturally very introspective and I love alone time. um, I'm a four wing three. Mm -hmm. So I also, um, you know, like to achieve things. I I tend to fill my schedule up. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we live in a culture that values busyness that's kind of a status symbol and Mm -hmm. so I have found more recently that rest is my answer rest is what I need Mm -hmm. and in finding that rest um, I can you know get quiet enough to really listen um, tune in to you know ways that I maybe need to shift and sometimes that means taking I have a friend who uh, introduced the term obligation inventory to me a few Mm. weeks ago and it was just this like oh of course you know taking uh, taking inventory of you know what do I have on my to-do list what are the obligations my responsibilities and what can I let go of Mm. so that I can have more time to be present more time to um, you know do the things that fill me up Mm-hmm. So that I can be someone who can, you know, fill others up and love mm-hmm. people better. Um, and there are a few ways that I've found that being outside is just, <laughs> for me, just the quickest, you know, if I can get outside barefoot in nature, it, it's, my, my cup is filled, I feel rested, and I can, you know, um, approach life or my daily tasks my relationships um, from a a sense of more groundedness Mm -hmm. yeah so often we say to ourselves oh I don't have time I don't have time to take my daughter to the park right now but that's where life is Mm -hmm. you know and then it it's just like going to a yoga class when you do that it just feels like everything falls into place in your day so making time for those things Mm -hmm. that awaken you to life actually help you to live life in a way that matters you know so it's it's amazing so that was beautiful thank you 
That was just a portion of our interview with Katherine Hanks. So we invite you to listen to two more remaining episodes in these last two episodes with Katherine Hanks. We will be discussing how types 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 can move towards being the most authentic versions of themselves. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please stay tuned for our closing meditation. So in this meditation, let's start by inhaling deeply, filling up the belly, filling up the chest with prana, and then exhale and send that breath back down to the belly button. Inhale, breathing in deeply, and then exhale, letting something go, and then set an intention to stay with your breath throughout this meditation, maybe bringing prayer hands to your heart and just finding your inhale, finding your exhale. This meditation is inviting you to wake up and remember who you truly are. And so find your inhale and inhale your true essence and then exhale your ego and need to prove yourself. We're going to start in the heart triad of the Enneagram, which is the two, the three, and the four. And maybe one hand comes to your heart, the palm touching your heart space, and the other hand can touch the hand holding your heart. And then inhale boundaries and exhale the need to overextend yourself. And then inhale authenticity and exhale the need to shift and become who you think others need you to be. And then inhale gratitude and exhale the need to compare yourself to others. And then maybe bring prayer hands to your forehead as we move to the head triad. And then inhale breathing in your need for connection. And then exhale your need to be an island. And then inhale peace and hope and exhale letting go of fear and worst case thinking. And then inhale this present moment and then exhale all of your scattered and frenetic energy. And then as we move to the gut triad, inviting your palms to touch your stomach. And then here in the gut triad, inhale love and empathy and exhale a piece of a grudge you are holding. And then inhale power and strength and then exhale the need to make yourself small. And then inhale acceptance of yourself, others and life as it is and exhale all of the supposed to's and should's and then bring your hands back to your heart space inhale your true essence returning home and exhale your ego and need to prove yourself and just take a moment to pause breathing in and breathing out And just set an intention 
to be mindful to wake up and remember who you truly are. Namaste.